welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. All right, welcome to the Built on Air podcast. This is season 10, episode two. Glad to be with you this Tuesday live. Uh, excited to share what's going on with everything new in the Airtable world. It'll be a pie above the fold. So I'm Dan Fellers, founder of Built on Air and Onto Air with you with uh, quite a few hosts with us today. We've got Camille. Welcome again, Camille. Hello. And, and Ali back for the first time in this season. Welcome back, Ali. Thank you. Hello. Good to, good to have you again for the new season. And we have a new face with us, Justin. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Happy on, to the, be- uh, on the podcast once before, but first time on the on the live episode. So glad you could join us. So as always, we uh, have an hour long show for you today. We'll go through four different segments and we'll learn more about Justin and and what he's up to later in the show. Um, Do a quick brief run through of what we're gonna talk about. We always start with round the bases where we learn about what's going on in the Airtable communities. Then I'll talk about our primary sponsor onto air. Then we'll learn more about Justin and, and him as an expert in the Airtable community. And then he will share with us a cool way to use interfaces. We'll then have another spotlight on our sponsor onto air, and then we'll stick with interfaces for today. And Ali will show us another uh, amazing demo of how to use interfaces for your, for your uh, use cases. So all things interfaces today. But as always, we're gonna kick off with round the bases and talk about what's going on in the Airtable community. So there was a big announcement that came out um, last night. I saw it through the Built on Air community. Um, One of our friends, Rebecca, posted this, so I saw this. Did you guys all see this? No. No, I didn't do so. Okay. What? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to hold back. I'm going to try to be civil in my words in this. So if you haven't seen it, there is a new update posted in their support. Um, I don't know when it was posted. I don't think they um, did it in the community. I don't know. 
found this. Rebecca, if you're on live, let us know where you found it. But basically, starting January 11th is today, mm -hmm. um, they're changing their pricing models. <laughs> oh, boy. And so basically, how it's working is there's some good and there's some bad things about this. So okay. if you're, it, you can keep your existing plan with you. So that's the one good thing. So if you've signed up before today, then you signing up basically today going forward um, is going to be faced with some new, some new, new different tiers in their plans. So on the free plan, you can get one app per base. <laughs> uh, okay, you can that also is one of the use, things um, I've suggested before. Okay. <laughs> so that's decent. Now the question is, does scripting count as that base or not, or is that app? That I don't know if they specify that. Let or me scripting open up a new. Let me open up a, a base that's on a free and see if I can add an app that isn't scripting. Uh, I think this will only be for if you create a new user today. I think for your existing ones, um, for your existing ones, you have to choose which model you want to go under. And it's, I think it's account wide, not just per base. And we'll talk about why that is. So also on the free plan, you can use one sync integration per workspace, manual sync only. That used to be, mm. you could have more, right? They were just all manual on the free. one per base, per base, yeah. Yeah, one per base. Now it's one per workspace. Oh God. And then here's the other big change. Five users with edit capabilities on the free plan, whereas it used to be unlimited, right? Mm. So that drastically uh, impacts the free plan. <laughs> oh, a little, little con on that. What's that, Justin? A little bit of con on that. The free plan changes there. If we get an app, the, the collaborator level goes down. So it's like some good, some bad with that. Yeah, you're a little breaking up there, Justin, with your audio. Um, so yeah, that's that's gonna have some significant impacts on the free plan. Um, I don't. It doesn't look like they change any record limits. The plus plan is um, actually if you were on the plus plan, which is probably like two people. <laughs> The plus plan actually improves. So they're actually like automatically forcing everybody to this new model if you were on the plus plan, because you basically now can use three apps per base, which you couldn't use any apps other than the scripting app on the plus. Um, and I don't, I don't know how many sync integrations you could use. That might be the same. So they basically are forcing all the plus people into this new plus plan. Um, and I guess you're also getting um, branding capabilities in the forms. Now, here's the real stinker on the pro plan, which most people are on. Now you can only use 10 apps per base. That's going to be 
a real stinker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Mm. Yeah. Right. That yeah, makes we'll no sense. Now the question is, does that mean 10 apps or 10 installs of an app? Because if you're using like the charting app, does that mean you can only have 10 charts? Right. You know, or is that, or is the charting app considered one? That'll be interesting to see. Um, seven sync integrations per workspace. But bonus, you can use the Jira cloud, which I think used to only be for enterprise for all you Jira fans, <laughs> which is very few people. Um, so yeah, this is a pretty big change. I wonder if they posted about it in the community. Yeah. You check, um, can someone check the community and see if there's a there's a post about it? Yeah. A little bit then. I don't see an announcement. My computer is. Um, there's no post in announcements, so they might not have added it yet. It's not showing up. New camera's now in. Interesting. There's some comments from the community. Scott has some opinions. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it used to be 20 synced tables per base, and now they've cut that in half. Um, and seven external sinks are for the entire workspace, which seems very restrictive. So, yeah, some changes I like. That I like that free uh, free bases can now have one app installed, presumably an app in addition to scripting, because that's already free. Um, or it's what I suggested many, many moons ago, that you get to pick which of the apps in the app store you want um, installed. Many of the other changes are strange or bad. So yeah. um, I can see that they've made the plus plan better before there was like practically no reason to get the plus plan. You got slightly higher record limits and things, but because you <clears> didn't <throat> have access to apps and you didn't have access to some of these other things, really wasn't worth it. Now it might be worth it to get a plus plan, but the pro plan they've made less usable. Yeah. So well, I like what is there. Go ahead. I like what it says there on the FAQ, pro plan, these pro, pro users retain access to the legacy pro plan. So if you're already on, you don't change what you've got, but sure. new pro plan users get these new options. So I, some clarification for me, pro workspaces as of yesterday were on the workspace level. You didn't have a pro account, you had a pro workspace. Yeah. Does that mean that if I create a new workspace now, that workspace won't have access to the legacy or because my account is old enough, any new workspace I have has access to the pro oh, the old pro plan. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Thoughts, Allie? <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I agree with, with Jan. 
or John. I, I'm not, I'm kind of baffled. And it's like, I think everyone, at least on this show knows I love my apps. And it's like one of my favorite parts about Airtable. And I'm, I want to continue pushing it for people, but it's like, wait, what? I'm confused. It, it really, the app thing makes absolute no sense for, for the pro would, plan yeah yeah for the pro plan yeah why they would um it, it completely <laughs> discourages me as an app developer because what's the incentive now when you know they, they've completely disaligned their third-party app developers from Airtable by cutting off you want as many people as possible to be using apps. Yeah, I don't, I, I want to know what the reasoning behind A, attaching a limit to it, and B, why the number 10 was chosen. Was it a performance thing? Were a lot of bases too slow because they had too many apps? But it seems arbitrary to sort of apply it to anyone in that particular level. Now you can only have 10, which is... It's really not that many apps when you consider a few things. <laughs> the most chilling silence in all of built. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But it could yeah. be this yesterday. This is news to me, and it's not great news. Getting yeah. you're getting live raw reaction here. <laughs> I'm hoping that there is some amazing, crazy news coming. Might sort of kind of offset this down start the week off yeah but i, I it's it's and i mean camille what you said about performance like that is the only thing that i can think of that might be a reason behind it like i've recently in this is an, an enterprise plan so it might not matter but i've got tons and tons and tons of apps and I, a couple of times i've actually gone into a dashboard and i've seen it grayed out with a warning in it saying this app has been disabled to protect the performance of your base. Like it's like yeah. something's gone corrupt with it and it I've had to go and reload the app and that and it happens with similar like usually page designer app. And I, I don't know, I mean maybe it does affect performance. Like that could be why they're limiting it, but still it's like I don't get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A yeah. statement about the reasoning behind this would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. So the enterprise plan should have no limits, right? <laughs> Just, you know, if if the pro plan is now worse than it used to be, essentially, or more restrictive than it used to be, then enterprise should let you do literally everything. Yeah. yeah. And not everyone wants to upgrade to enterprise. Enterprise is overkill for a lot of. Uh, Airtable customers. I don't have any enterprise bases. Uh, so, yeah, I just. And so the, the price pro, isn't changing. Yeah, the pro plan is price perplexing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think, I, you know, the free plan, that one really hurts. Like a lot of people use Airtable as like, you know, for nonprofits or churches or anything where you just have, you know, like a spreadsheet that everybody can collaborate on. A thousand records mm -hmm. is more than enough for small little projects. It really hurts to limit the number of users on a free plan. Mm -hmm. 
because they're just losing they're losing that creative ability to learn Airtable and then say, hey, maybe I could use this for my work environment, you know, and then mm-hmm. in there I'll pay for it. Like they're losing that free channel. It's really going to hurt them long term. Yeah, it's it. you're sort of pinching both sides of, you know, Airtable users. So the free plan users who are maybe just starting out and getting to learn or just have simple use cases in general. Now they're being restricted. And then the pro plan users who have the more advanced or more the larger teams, the uh, the more complex bases, they're being restricted. So it just uh, and still has big limitations. And so we haven't hit, none of these changes are to uh, tangible limits like record limits or attachment size, et cetera. But yeah, enterprise should fix every potential problem you could have with pro then if pro is worse than it was yesterday. I'm bombing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what kind of push that is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'll definitely be reaching out to contacts I have at Airtable to try to get some understanding of reasoning behind this, and maybe maybe we can get somebody on this podcast or other other means to <laughs> to uh, try to make some sense of this. So, not to organize a see. mob, but next week is uh, the <laughs> Airtable's Table Talk, uh, where they're going to do their yeah. own. Yeah, their own live show where they go over the roadmap for this year. You can submit questions ahead of time. You may want to ask a question or two. That was, and that's on uh, this Thursday, right? I thought it was next. That's Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. For how many of those have to? Yeah. Lots and lots of comments here. Yeah, no Anyways, one's <laughs> with that, with that uh, lead announcement, we can uh, move on to some other, maybe more. Calm down. <laughs> We're getting the mob going. Don't, don't tell them I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see. We shall see. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's move on for for time's sake, and maybe try to cheer people up. <laughs> so, in, in so, the built-on air community, um, we're we're starting to get a bit more active. Hannah, who uh, works with me on Ontario and is active in the built-on air community, start a thread just to kind of see what everybody's working on. Um, it's kind of cool to see everybody's kind of sharing. So if you're not in the built-on air community, join us. Um, lots of amazing people. Everybody here in this group is in there. And um, we like to see kind of check-ins. People like to share what they're working on. So there's some cool stuff in here of people sharing what they're building for the new year, fitness trackers, um, client projects, several consultants in here and whatnot. So check out the built-on air community, some cool stuff. I always like seeing Hannah. She always posts her stuff. And apparently Hannah has four tractors and <laughs> multiple houses. So 
Nice uh, net worth tracker there for Hannah. <clears throat> All right. Here's one, maybe get back into the weeds. Camille, I thought uh, if you remember this one uh, from the Airtable community, kind of a weekly reminder of working with dates and how that work. Uh, so the question is, is how do you get the, um, the figure out what year, what week of the year it was? You recall yeah. this one? Yeah, so by default, if you pick a date that's like the very, very last week of the year and January 1st of the next year happens to be in the same calendar week, the week number uh, function by default will tell you December 31st is week one. Well, it's not week one, it's week 52 or week 53, depending on the year. Uh, so one way to sort of force it to uh, always tell you the week of the year that date is in not the calendar week, is to use date time format. Date time format has several date specifiers. So in this case, we're using a capital W to just give you the week of the year uh, for the actual date itself. If you used a lowercase w, that would give you the same thing as week num would, the function week number. Um, if I think if you scroll down, someone else pointed out you could still use week number, but add a uh, Monday to the end, I forgot that was a, an option for that function. So I think either implementation would work, but you have a little bit more control with date time format because you can, if you wanted to say not just the week number, but the year as well, you can do that in all in one function. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I, I literally have a formula. Yeah. Like it says like, if the week is one, if, like, if the week is 52 and the date is whatever like i like add one or subtract or whatever i have this whole big long thing to concatenate it so that's really helpful yeah there's a yeah. few different specifiers that have to do with iso dates um i should I know should. what iso really means i don't really it's a more standard version of uh displaying or, or relaying dates uh it varies by country with a preference for like the order you put the day, the month, the year. Um, and then it also varies by country how you count weeks. ISO is kind of the international standard. That's probably what it stands for now that I've said it out loud. International standards um, organization, I think. There you go. So using ISO week will get you to where uh, you get the actual, actual week number. I dig. Yeah. What's Matt strange and, is that the official name is International Organization for Standards. So like the letters are flopped. <laughs> and that hey. databaser is John, who's with us on the show. So he was the one that helped Got answer it. that one. <laughs> so yeah, very good. Dates are always fun to work with, especially if you're in Europe like Jan is. That makes it even trickier to overcompensate for some some weaknesses that Airtable has. Yeah, and uh, to sort of explain the reason why the second argument in week num is Monday is because, you know, colloquially we say weeks start on a Monday if you're in certain countries in Europe and if you're in America, weeks start on a Sunday. So yeah. that's why the second argument is Monday. Yeah. Yeah, you could do a whole course on working with dates and <laughs> date formulas. Speaking of courses, the next one from the Reddit Airtable community, somebody asking where is a good place to get online courses on Airtable? Where, yeah. uh, where do you guys recommend? 
So friend of the show, Scott, who's on recently, he has a, a pretty extensive course on LinkedIn, I believe. Um, someone in the comments of this Reddit post uh, mentions Gareth Provenost, who has a pretty active YouTube channel with many, 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 many views. Justin, who's with us today, all is all about that base on YouTube, who has his own series of videos. And I don't want to speak for you, Justin, but you just started your own uh, <laughs> weekly newsletter. So... I'll let you yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later, probably. Okay, and never mind. Working on a course all about yeah. formulas too. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah, Gareth also yeah. offers on top of his free stuff. Yeah, we used to do some training on. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I I think it's my connection. I I was just gonna say he also offers a mastermind course that's like a monthly thing and gives you access to a bunch of other stuff. Gareth does, yeah. Yes. Yeah, here's uh, Scott mentioning his <laughs> learning your table and LinkedIn learning platform. So check that mm -hmm. out. Um, I also I'll put a plug in for Ben Green, who was mentioned in here. Yeah. He's got some courses, and Jen Rudd also has a course on integrations that's out there. Um, so several good friends of the show have have training material that that are worth checking out. So if you're looking for Deep, some are free, some are paid. Um, go check those out in different places. Let's keep going. Okay, another question from, from Reddit. Somebody, um, actually a friend of the show, at some point we'll get this team on uh, WhaleSync. They provide a tool to sync your Airtable data into other systems. Um, wrote a pretty cool article on comparing Airtable to Notion. So if you're interested in how those compare, this is a good um, good article to check out about the differences between there. And that's one of the tools that they can sync your data to from Airtable when, when they launch. And then somebody else also posted a comparison with Fibery, which is another one I've, I've looked at, but I haven't really played with, um, but kind of similar, similar vein to Airtable. All right, this is a kind of cool show and tell if everybody who's on an iPhone wanting to know how to kind of automate tasks, I guess um, iPhone has a built in app that allows you to to do that. So this is you can watch this video or this animated GIF that goes through how you can automate tasks that will populate a, your Airtable form um, straight using the shortcuts in, in Airtable. So a nice little tell there. Do you know if that's the same thing? On last season, we had Rebecca on, and she demoed one of her projects. She was on. She was using her laptop, so I don't know if it's the same um, Apple feature. But she uh, was able to no code sort of program a, an automated something. I think with shortcuts, maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Same okay. thing. Okay. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, so that uh, that's good there. All right, and I think this is our last one. Is everyone's internet not doing well today? <laughs> Is this about data fetcher? 
I think, because it's Andy Cloak, and Andy is the developer for Data Fetcher. Exactly. That is just frozen again. Well, I can guess what this what this tweet is about. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and Scott was saying that yes, it was the same Apple feature, but she took it to the next level by layering Siri on top of it. So yeah, it was a. If you want an example of how someone could use something similar to that Reddit post, I recommend looking at an episode from last season nice. with Rebecca on. And Dan is still frozen. I think I'm back. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Yes. There you are. Uh, yeah, I've got some major, I think we're all having computer issues this morning. <laughs> John asked, is Airtable sabotaging the session? <laughs> <laughs> We've seen too much. Yeah. Oh my god! I was watching. Good news is I just got my internet back. We move. My taking forever. And Dan's frozen. Well, in the meantime, Andy. Sandwich check. And what's coming up on? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what do we what do we do? <laughs> there. there we go. I'm back again. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out for a second, but I'm gonna I'm gonna share Justin's stream. And if you guys want to interview Justin, I'll see if I can fix my computer in the meantime. And then, and then Justin will have you go right after that. Okay. All right. Well, hi, Justin. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Camille. So you are one of the fixtures in the Airtable uh, community forums. And like I mentioned earlier, you have your own YouTube channel and your various other Airtable-based help resources and consulting. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the world of Airtable. Uh, I discovered Airtable almost three years ago. It was February 14. Um, I found through a YouTube channel video and stuff like that and said they often you know profile resources that are helping them out in their work and said, hey we're trying to think called air table I'm like, oh that's fun so i dug into it thought i'd do like one or two things and then two days about a dozen bases and then growing from there so um things over over time i've really found that i enjoy doing this for for years in a variety of other kind of realms is is teaching and helping people understand how things work so and then to the Airtable side of things, I decided over the past year, you know, delve deeper into that level of things. So, like you mentioned earlier, uh, all about that base about tips and sign up for the newsletter on there. It comes out every week on Friday. Uh, I'm trying to get back into the YouTube channel production, trying to do more stuff there, hoping to do a video every other week, roughly, uh, around everything else going on. Um, and then I'm trying to get back into other, you know, online resources as well. Get back into more regular um, discussions on Twitter, Facebook, and things like that, just to engage more. Uh, and of course, continue to do things on the community forum as well. Excellent. So, you know, I'm sure most of the people who 
have browsed every now and again in the, in the forums have noticed that the answers that you provide are not just sort of the base level answer to the question. A lot of times when I answer a question on the community forums, I'll just be like, here's a formula. <laughs> uh, <laughs> users like yourself and also a friend of the show, Kavan, will do a little bit more explanation than people like I would, where you sort of talk about, well, here's the sort of things you need to consider and here's uh, where to look for more resources. Um, what sort of inspires you to be so helpful for you know just the sake of helping? Um, my why it's hard to really get into that. It's, I don't know. I've never, this that. is therapy now. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I, I, I think it's because I like to understand the features of or whatever it is as completely as well. And I feel it helps me to do better. With that. Um, and so as I'm learning about Airtable to try to help them understand it at the same level and not just about what to be done, why it works that way, and and some of the deeper sides and things like that. So I like seeing, you know, the newer concepts and and between concepts. People, I think I mentioned that I'm sure uh, last Monday or whenever I sent that out. Um, but helping people be, get a more firm understanding, go forward, and do better stuff. I just love to do that for people. So, well, that's just so nice. Um, and you know, there, there's a saying that like the, the best way to teach yourself is to teach others or, you know, to demonstrate that you've truly learned a subject or concept, uh, means that you can teach it to someone else. And, uh, I'm sure it's very helpful for all of us really to, once we start explaining things to other people, we get deeper knowledge about your people ourselves. Yeah. And that's why I'm doing stuff with the newsletter and trying to go deeper on, on you everywhere else is just increase everybody's understanding of how this tool works. Okay, great. Well, part of teaching people how Airtable works, you have something you'd like to demo for us today involving interfaces. Yeah, so this has come up a couple of times uh, in the community forum. I sent out um, a quick little Loom recorded video to somebody uh, a week or two back. Um, but the idea ended a little bit differently and try to simplify it a bit. That's something I'm always trying to do as well is solution works, but how to get simpler and more streamlined, more condensed. And I'm still learning things all the time myself from other users like yourself and Kevon and Scott and everybody from me. So I appreciate everybody's input in helping everybody get better. Uh, so this idea here is people pretty early on interfaces came out, wanted to know, can I use interfaces to add to my, it's primarily man editor or as an editor for, you know, creating new records and things like that. Um, people quickly threw around some ideas on how to get that pulled off. And so I'm gonna demonstrate one possible way to get that done here. Uh, so let me actually flop over to my base. So this is a very simple kind of context I've got set up in here. Um, and right now I've actually got one record hidden. This is out of the system here, but if I wanted to build an interface around all this stuff, I'll build the interface portion here in a couple of seconds. Uh, but the idea behind this is using one record as a template for the other records. And then an automation picks up on a change on that one template record and drives trigger of automation. And you create a new record based off of those new values and then reset the template record back to its original state. 
So I've got a filter turned on here. I'll just get rid of this. This is my kind of new template record I want to use to add things based here for my contacts table. Uh, and so it's all triggered based off a change I can make over here in the field right now. First off, template. And say, okay, I want to now save this. I just it to add new and automation. So first off, let's get the actual interface set up and show how this, and then build the interface after. Uh, sorry, build the after that. So I'm going to start building an interface in here. I'll just call this uh, editor. I can do anything special there. Just create a new one. I like to use record review option way I can see like all my records over here, especially for things like cuts and stuff like that. Get a nice search field there at the top to make it easy to kind of find all that stuff. So I'll hit this. I'm going to go from my contacts table exactly. Don't need anything specific here for the option. And I want to see pretty much everything in here. The name field there would be the very top, the various pieces in there, including uh, the option to kind of trigger all that. Up. So we'll hit next and I'm just contact editor. Call the first one contact for this, like all the interfaces for contacts table or base or whatever. Okay, so we get a lot of time, you know, playing with the design of this thing. I'm not going to go into that as far as this demo. Um, but what I need to do is basically delineate. I'm looking at all my contacts, or I'm looking at that one template contact. So I don't have to see this in here when I don't want to. So what I want to do for that is add a filter. Now, one of the things that not every new user understands is that you can add interface elements in here, not just to like the mace in here, but also to the, bar, the header right up in this space there. So I find that top area there place to put a filter. So I want to go back to all elements in here. And, and now I can just click. I'm not even holding the, 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 the button down. So we click and drag. You can't do the click option, but I sometimes prefer just to click it and then get around and figure out where I want this to go. And so I can drop my filter right in there. And it's actually already set up nicely to say, um, is the one I want to uh, And so I have to tie this though into this record size. So I click to filter an element and then click on a record list. And that filter will drive the records that are shown over here. I can get rid of that for right now. And if I want to preview this thing, so what I would do under kind of day-to-day -day use, I would say, see everything where it's blank. Or, um, or maybe on my template option for that. Uh, you have an option there for something like, you know, maybe this is like a regular record or something like that. The blank option, apparently, if I'm trying to change this to not template, and that's yeah. everything in there. And so I can say when it is a template, there's my template record. Now I'm going to make things over here can be edited. So I just go in those, turn those all on the editable ones there, including my option select right down in there. I probably drag this over to like the far side or something like that. So it's kind of out of the way, the main, the main data. Um, but to kind of use that to drive the stuff. So we'll go back into the base and there. So there are a couple different ways the automation could be set up. I'm going to show you kind of the manual process. I've got a script I'm making available to anybody that watches the video today. Um, if you want to do an automation script-based uh, way to do this. So the manual process is, up here is this both manual or um, the script-based version. I'm going to my uh, copy. 
template record. When record matches conditions, I'm going to pick my context table. And then I want my option to be the add new. Only when that one is set, we'll have this thing. Um, I know it's going to work, so I'm not going to testing it for right now. After a lot of automations, you want to make sure you test your different steps, test your trigger to make sure you can get the data you want in later steps. Um, actually, I'll go ahead and probably do that now. I can minimize this section over here. So it's already on there. I'm not actually, uh, actually, no, it is. Um, change this over to add new, run the test. And that should pick up that record. And I can check in here and look and see, check my field values. Yes, it's the one that has enter contact details there. So I know I've got the right one. So I can go back in here, next step. And this is going to be, uh, first off, create a record. So in my contacts table, and I just want to start adding fields in here. So add first. That's going to come from the first name field from my source there. So I click on first to insert that and do the same thing for all the other fields. And thankfully, I've got only a handful of fields to do that with in here. This is where it gets really cumbersome though, if you have lots and lots of fields. My actual main contact base has like 20 or 30 different fields. So I would not want to do this manual setup uh, for a system like throw lap and then E. These are all pulling from my ring step in there. Um, that's all we need to set in there. It's just last an email, the main kind of fields that we need to copy. So if I wanted to again, see how that all work on a test. So it creates that thing. And now I didn't have anything set in there. So if I again, and let's say I want to go um, new person. That, now to make sure this gets picked up, I got to go back a trigger step, mm -hmm. retest the trigger again. And that should pick up the data that thing. Let me just confirm that down in here. A new person in there. Now I can go down into my test creates a record again, and now a new record gets made with that stuff. What I need to do is reset this record back to its default, and including resetting the. So I add one more action to date the record that was triggered. So it's also contacts. The record ID is the one from my trigger step in here. And then I update all those same fields and just leave them in there. If I just leave nothing in this field, the cool thing is Airtable just blanks it out. So I can pop first, pop last, email, and then for my option, make sure that one is set. Now, unfortunately, I type it out manually. Uh, what I want to do here is say template. And now I can again test this out, run a test on that, clear out the contents of that record there. So that's all set to go. So I can. Expand that out, and now we'll go back to the instance from there. And now in here, what I want to do is have a filter on this so I don't see that template record most of the time. So I'll just have action in there to say where option is not. Okay. So back over in interfaces in here. So I want to say... I should do my preview again. So set that to template. And so right now I'm editing the template. And so I can say I've got some other other person here. And then I just from template add new, it will copy things. It disappears from over here, but it will reappear once all that copying has happened. 
And there we go. Our template's reset. I switch this back to is not, and I can see my new person and my other person both down in there. And I haven't had to leave this to jump back over to my table and do things like that. So you can do both editing existing records and the creation of new records through this kind of automation here. Very nice. And because you only really have one template record, it's not going to affect your record limit too much. It's just one extra record. Um, but presumably you can set up this automation to take multiple different types of templates if you want it. You could say maybe mm -hmm. template one is the name of the option and have that tied to one automation and then have a second template that has a little bit more. Maybe it only copies certain fields, whereas template one copies all of the fields, that kind of thing. Pretty flexible implementation. Yeah, you have options as, as, as many different single select options you want to throw in there to do different kinds of things with the records. Yep. And it's uh, it's you're using a strategy that I think a lot of us here like is when triggering automations. The instinct a lot of the times is to use a checkbox field, you know, check this box to run an automation. But it's very easy to accidentally click a checkbox. Um, and yeah. by using a single select field, it's a much more purposeful action. It allows you to add text. You can color code. It's actually a very you know, nice way of using a particular field type if you can't use a button. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a great way of triggering all kinds of different things for, you know, for scripts to run in the background to do certain things and uh, whatever you want to do. So, yeah, I love that option for triggering stuff. Great. Very, very cool. So, and uh, as I promised earlier, I think I'm, uh, I think want some script version. So, again, if you have lots, the fields you want to copy. Uh, I've written a simple script that sets it up so you can copy uh, non-calculated. So any manual entry field just finds all those, copies those to the new record, and then resets the template. Uh, so if you want to go that, go to my website, all about that based on slash interface dash template script. There's a link on there and a little demo video showing you how the whole thing works. Uh, and so it's a free script anybody can use uh, to do that more advanced version. Not to worry about, you know, setting up every single field in the automation. Mm -hmm. That's cool. awesome. Very, very we'll nice. That, we'll put that in the uh, show notes to share that link. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, uh, Camille, for driving that while I was out. Um, you've, re you've returned. Hopefully for a little bit. I'm still nervous about my computer, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna show. Um, I'm not gonna do a plug for Ontair for fear that the demo will crash my computer. But check out Ontair. It's a great tool, suite of apps to run your business on Airtable. Um, but we're gonna skip that. But check out the new Amplify. We upgraded it earlier this month or at the end of December, and lots of new features that um, we'll show eventually in, in, in this uh, podcast. But with that, we're going to uh, skip that. And then we're going to keep with um, interfaces. And Allie, if you want to see if your screen share works, All right. we'll have you uh, share with us your cool stuff that you're working on. Okay. Let's see. There you see go. This. Perfect. All right, so this is a base that I've used for demos before. It's all completely fake data. Um, 
it's showing I'm getting all my paychecks from Wayne Enterprises. So mm-hmm. call me Batman. Um, all <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, right. So this is something that I just set up um, in my real base that I use to track uh, all my income. And I wanted to be able to easily get a running total so that I could use that for you know reconciliation at the end of the month, et cetera. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar that Airtable actually does have a script that you can use, just a sample script that will give you a running total in one field. Um, but I like this option better because it gives you a lot more flexibility. Um, so essentially I've got my table here of months and everything is linked to, I have income and expenses on different tables. So that way I'm able to get all this data about net income, gross income, how much I've spent, et cetera. Um, but if I wanna know what my total is at the end of that month, um, in addition to everything I've earned from the months prior, I set up an automation that at the end of each month, and of course this stops in 2021, so it will never run again, technically. Um, it goes and it finds all the previous months. And let me show you what that looks like. I have this automation set up and right now I've got it where month end is yesterday or linked to previous months is checked. So I just had it to force it for past months. I have a little checkbox. If I was thinking I would have made it a single select. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is a de- temporary fix because I'm probably going to delete that field anyways. Um, and essentially just a little script runs that goes and selects everything from a particular view in my months table. And that's just filtered to show everything that's in the past. Um, and if I was going to trust that hundred percent, then that would probably be enough, but I am also filtering it just to make sure. So I'm saying, all right, where the date of my start month that triggered this um, record is, uh, excuse me, the other way around, where my end date is greater than the start month, the start date of each month. Um, and then I just update the record that triggered the automation so that I've got everything that came before it in that linked record field. And that's able to give me this field here. So if I look at it, you can see it's kind of like a cascading. So January is just like January, February is linked to both, etc. And then that lets me get a roll up of any value that I want for each one of those months. So I can quickly get a running total and that I'm just grabbing my gross income. I could do this with net income, see how much I've spent throughout the whole year, etc. But the coolest thing that that affords me, in my humble opinion, is if I'm looking at my interface, you can see January, I haven't earned anything yet. But as I start going through this, each month, I can watch my chart grow. It's like it's animated. Right? (laughs) So it's kind of cool. It'll, and this is with my gross income, but I could do the same thing with like, net, which that would go up and down probably quite a bit more. So let's say net. Yeah, and you can see that's going to go pretty low. I guess it does go up each month. 
but this is all just fake data. Let's go back into interfaces. And I can add another chart. So from that, I'm just using the previous month's linked record field and then adding a chart right out of that, dropping that in there. And then I can use, I want my name to be the x-axis, a field summary. And we'll go with running total net sum. And we'll make that a line chart. And now we can quickly see, we'll put those next to each other. Go back to preview. So they're a little bit different. But pretty cool. Yeah. Very nice. So one of the sort of questions that comes up a lot on the community forums is how do you do running totals? And this is a fairly simple way to, to do it. I know your uh, solution involves using a script, but um, as we saw, your script was only something like 40 lines long and mo most of those 40 lines were setting variables. So exactly. it's, it's not a very complex script and you may be able to get away with using the find record step to get you the list of that filtered that, months, assuming assume. filtered months is less than a hundred. Um, right. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, you could get away with exactly what Camille said. You exactly. could just select everything on this view and then update the record that triggered the automation. But once you get a few years, I don't know how many years, I can't um, do math right now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so fairly simple. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Nice little trick to uh, utilize interfaces to create running totals. Very cool. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Ali. I think uh, everybody's going to go home depressed now after the show. Yeah. <laughs> Our internet didn't work. Airtable's pricing plans got strange. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, well, it's cool. Well, good to be with everyone. Justin, always good to have you on and cool stuff that you're Thanks, working on. Thanks, appreciate it again. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? I am at allaboutthatbase.tips. Got a contact form there. You can subscribe to the newsletter, and uh, that's my home base. Nice. Fun <laughs> intended. That's right. Lots of puns on this show for sure. I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Glad to be with you. And we will be with you next week. Hopefully, uh, I'll get my computer fixed by then. And uh, we'll have um, more fun stuff to share with you and see what everybody's built on air. Take care. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.